Hi, I'm Wade Ierly, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. In this podcast, we introduce you to thought leaders who are shaping the lives of the next generation to discuss the challenges and innovations influencing higher education and how we can adapt to give students a strong foundation for their futures. Today, I have the opportunity to talk to Utah State Senator Ann Milner. She currently serves as the Senate Majority Whip and Chair of the Senate Ethics Committee, as well as serving on several other committees. Intensely focused on improving Utah through education and workforce development, she's sponsored legislation focused on the commercialization of new technologies and workforce preparation, public and higher education, and victims' rights. Senator Milner is a Regents Professor of Health Administration and former president at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. Under her leadership as university president from 2002 to 2012, Weber State experienced a nearly 40% increase in enrollment, emerged as a regional center for economic development, and earned national recognition for its undergraduate research and community-based learning initiatives. Senator Milner earned degrees from University of Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Texas State University, and a doctorate in education from Brigham Young University. Thank you so much for joining us today, Senator Milner. Thank you for having me. You've clearly had a a very distinguished career in education and now politics. What led to higher education administration and then the pivot into politics? Uh, Well, I guess my story is uh, one of um, being blessed and wondering. Um, I started out my first degree is in secondary education in math and science. Today, I could walk out and get a job anywhere, but at the time, 40 years ago, there weren't any jobs in the area that I lived in in Tennessee. And so I went into the health field. That's when I went to Vanderbilt. I completed a a post-baccalaureate program in medical technology, and it built on my math and science background. And then an opportunity opened up for an education coordinator position for the program that I'd been through at Vanderbilt. And I applied for the program. And because I had an education background and I was a medical technologist, I got the job. So things just build on each other. And sometimes you don't know, uh, you gotta be willing to think about other pathways and it all comes together. But that was my fork in the road for going down the higher education side and I just continued on that journey, and I went to joint program between Thomas Jefferson University and University of Pennsylvania for a couple of years after that, and then I came out to, I went to Texas State, and then I went to, came to Utah, and uh, Weber State University, an institution that was focused on faculty in the classroom, student-faculty relationships, teaching first university I'd had lots of experience at the large research universities, but Weber State spoke to me. Uh, That mission spoke to me. And then I got involved in the community and I stayed. And I was really fortunate and blessed because they had the opportunity to grow professionally and stay at the same institution. And that doesn't happen all the time in higher education. Uh, So I became, I kind of grew up at Weber State, I say, I came out associate dean and assistant vice president and then a vice president and then president for 10 years and then after 10 years I stepped down from the presidency when and went back to teaching and I've been thoroughly enjoyed that did it in health administration because my background in the health field and I'm on the board of Intermountain Health etc so I've maintained all of that experience and background then about a year out 
the senator in my area decided not to run and people came to me and said, you should run. You've been working with the legislature for 20 years. Um, you know the people, you know the processes. Um, you could rep, you know this area, obviously you've been here a long time. And so I did. And I pretty naively had no idea about campaigns, et cetera. But once I jumped in, then I jumped in with both feet and worked as hard as I could and said, if I don't get it, then it's not because I didn't work hard at it. And I was fortunate enough to be elected and I just got reelected for my third term. And the reason I want to serve is the same reason in some ways. I mean, at Weber State University, both as a vice president and president and as a faculty member, I still think the best day is graduation because I see those students achieving their educational goals. And I know at Weber State, about a third of them are first-generation college students, and they've changed the lives for themselves, their families, probably for generations to come. And what we do in the legislature impacts people's, every Utah's lives, and it's a chance to make a difference. So I'm not there because I am a politician wanting to continue to climb the political ladder, I'm there to try to make a difference, particularly on areas that I have experience in and a passion for, which is education and economic development uh, in particular, and um, just try to work at it every day. You know, but most of your work in the Senate has focused, as you said, on sort of workforce development, right? That blend of education and, and, uh, and economic development. How do you think we are doing, we being Utah or the country, I suppose, uh, in preparing students for the future and, and where do we need to get better? So we are actually doing very well. Um, we, um, I think uh, Governor Levitt led like this engineering initiative back in about 2000, so it was a while back, and said, because the tech companies, as he went to Silicon Valley to you know, try to recruit companies said, you don't have the talent you need in Utah. It's not that you don't have the tax structure. It's not that you don't have a friendly regulatory environment. You don't have sufficient talent. And he started that initiative in, in engineering and computer science, and we continue to build on that. And I think what you see is that we're reaping the benefits of those kinds of, and, and that's not the only one. But those investments in the development of a talented workforce is what's making a difference for us in terms of being able to have companies grow here and thrive here. And we have to stay focused on that. And we are continuing to do that. So we've made great progress. There was just a recent report by the uh, Kim C. Gardner Policy Institute on the impact of those investments early on and how they were uh, paying off for the state of Utah today, um, both at an individual level in terms of people's salaries, as well as thinking about it in terms of a strong Utah economy. And But we have to keep going. The talent needs are growing. So for example, in the next session, we've been doing some projections of talent needs over the next 10 years, and then looking at what our output is compared to that. In other words, the kind of demand we're able to meet right now based on the size of our programs. And we've got gaps. 
So we're going to be doing some things to really support computer science initiatives, including cyber, et cetera, to help us start to close those gaps. We've got needs in health profession areas. Um, So for me, it's kind of trying to stay data focused. What are our long-term projections? And what are, you know, if if we just stayed where we were, what would we be, uh, how many jobs or positions would we create? And then what's the gap? And let's keep trying to close those gaps in a very data-driven way. Yeah, it seems like dual mission institutions will have a, you know, significant role in that as they provide sort of work experience and pathways on the degree. What do you think it means? Or tell me more about dual mission institutions and the role that they do play. Well, for me, a dual mission institution is an institution that is um, a combination of a community college and a regional four-year institution. And it has embedded inside of it the opportunity to fulfill that community college mission and help people get certificates and degrees and be able to go out and get jobs. On the other hand, it provides really clear pathways. So if they say, wow, I now have my associate degree in computer science, but my employer wants me to have a baccalaureate degree. And maybe in some cases, my employer will not even pay for help me pay for my tuition to get that baccalaureate degree. I can work and I can go to school at the same time. And I think dual mission means several things. It means institutions that create pathways from certificates to two-year programs, to four-year programs, and make it easy for students to kind of come off the highway and go to work, but to come back on and to do it in a very seamless way. So they're not, nobody is saying to them, you've got to start over. What you are is building on what you've already completed. Just a very simple example of that is a nursing example. And we have LPNs. Before that, we have certified nurse assistants. So if you're able as a certified nurse assistant to be able to complete that program and go to work, but you decide you want to be an LPN, if you can get some credit towards the experience and the education you've already received to help you work towards your LPN, which is usually a one-year program, then if I get my LPN, if I want to go on and get my ADN, which is my associate degree in nursing, don't make me start over in an ADN program. Give me a program that goes from LPN to ADN. And therefore, I just complete what I haven't completed before. And then the next step is the BSN and the same thing. I'm already a registered nurse. Give me what I need to order to in order to be a really high performer that is engaged in critical care areas, high-level care areas in supervising administrative experiences, et cetera. So that I'm building on what I already have as an ADN. And I'm again, it's probably less than a two-year program that I'm building on at that point. And don't tell me to go back and start over again because I didn't start in a BSN program. That is the sort of, I think, quintessential example, right? That the pipeline into nursing has been challenged for so long that they've built such a nice structure to do that. And, you know, the more we can mirror that in other fields, probably the better it'll be. I love to mirror it in everything. And I think we've done a fair job of mirroring it in a number of health professions programs. Uh, When you think about imaging programs and you think about respiratory therapy and laboratory technology, et cetera. But we haven't mirrored as well and built those really clear pathways 
over in some of our technical areas. And actually, I'd be an advocate of doing this any place it makes sense. Even let's take science. Can I be a chem tech uh, person at the end of two years? I have an associate degree. I could go to work in a lab someplace um, because what I'm hearing the need, particularly in the biosciences firms for more lab expertise. So I can go to work there, but then I can come back and build on that and complete my, my bachelor's degree and function at a higher level. But we ought to be thinking about that in every field in which it makes sense. And it does have to be something where the employer wants to hire people and can see themselves hiring somebody with a certificate or associate degree. It's kind of like one of those things you have to do in partnership. You, you need the educational institutions working with the employers and saying, okay, if you prepare them in this way, we will hire them for these positions. And then we, in some cases, will even support them to take the next step on the ladder for those that we think should be encouraged to do that. Are the demographics for students in sort of in dual mission institutions, are they different than a you know traditional four-year or? Well, I think it probably depends on the area that you're in, but I think many of them have more older adults. Like in Weber State University, sometimes our students start as traditional students, but by the time they leave, they've become much more like an adult with a family and a job before they leave. And so I think sometimes we, you know, we want to say it's this or this, but the reality is we're just on this continuum. And we need to make this available for everyone. And there are students out there who say, I want to go to medical school and that's what I'm on. I'm going to start with my, you know, to get my bachelor's degree in a pre-med program so I can take the next step. Great. I love it when students already know what they want to do and they're very focused. But we have lots of lots of students who aren't quite sure yet what they want to do. And if they can go and say, I think... I'd like to do something in communication. Well, if I can go get a certificate, lets me get started there and go to work there, I can figure out whether or not that really is the career field that I want to pursue for life. You recently spoke on a panel of dual mission schools. One of the comments you shared was about the need for data and proof of outcomes and delivery and you know, the need to know where graduates are going in order to understand sort of the mobility and workforce outcomes. As a legislator, how do we address some of those data needs? How is that being built into you know, policies and legislation? Where do we build that in? Where does it make sense? None of the red states have systems of higher education. Those systems of higher education should be kind of a place that we can collect the data, at least from our public institutions across the state, that we need to make sure that we, in fact, collecting it and collecting it in similar ways and then processing it and mining it in a sense. And by that, I mean, making sure we understand the programs that students are in. Here's the retention rate for those programs. Here are the graduation rates for these programs. Here's the employment, who's going out and getting jobs. And here's what the salary is, because then we're going to be better able to provide better information to incoming students about, you know, you can choose this, but here's the opportunities, here's um, here's the set kind of salary levels, et cetera. So as a consumer, as making a choice about my education opportunities, I have better information. 
We also need to know that and understand it from the employment base in our states. So a state needs to understand, here's the talent we need. Here's the talent we are producing. Where are our gaps? And then begin to make those investments, but to track that over time so we can see what's happening in terms of graduates and employment and salaries. And in the state of Utah, we actually do some performance-based funding so that we taught that's tied to completion rates and tied to a component of its completion rates in these high demand fields. So an institution will is rewarded for making sure that they are paying attention to high demand fields uh, that are needed in the state of Utah. Dual mission institutions and the rest, in, in my mind, seems really focused on enabling families to achieve the American dream. I'm curious what the American dream means to you as someone who's lived so much of it, been able to achieve so much through education. What, is it, what does it mean to you? And, and do you see it being different for the next generation of students? So for me, um, the American dream is about people being able to determine what they want to do in their life and to be able to achieve that. My father's family, they were tenant farmers. And my dad went to World War II and he came back and he was able to go to school because of the GI Bill. That changed his life. That changed my life. My father was a really advocate for education. We were a family that depression era parents, uh, we didn't go on vacations. We didn't do stuff like that, but they saved for my education. And it wasn't a matter of if I was going to college, it was where I went. And my dad also had some very definitive opinions about that. It was going to be in a public uh, institution in the state that I lived because he was already paying tax dollars for the other piece of that. And so he only wanted to pay the difference with his tuition. But, you know, it just was never a question. And I think Never would I've been able to do the things that I've been able to do if I hadn't had parents who were able to achieve their dream and then turned around and enabled me to go on my journey. And I think all parents want their children to be able to do what what, what they're dreaming of and what they want to do and to enable them to do that. In today's world, Part of it is, at least on the career side of those dreams, requires some skills. And whether those are certificate programs, whether those are associate degree programs, whether they're more trades oriented or or professional sales or their business or whatever they are, um, being able to make sure we can help people develop the skills that they need to be successful in that and to get a start. Because it really starts with that. It starts with some kind of beginning point. And if I'm able to do that, A, I build confidence, I build some success, then other things are going to come and I can make decisions about next steps and next steps. But, but it's because I was empowered early on. Do you have any advice for young folks who are thinking about college or looking to expand their dreams more generally? Uh, what, what kind of counsel would you give to the next generation? Well, one counsel I would give is 
first of all, the first decision you make is not the only decision you're going to make. And if you don't make exactly, get exactly right, that's okay. Start somewhere. And if you want to low risk it, you start by getting a certificate in an area that you think you're going to want to work in and then go to work in it. Ideally, you're finding one that leads on a pathway, a career pathway uh, that you can continue to move on and off uh, that path, working and going to school. And without losing time by having to go back and retake things or start over, et cetera. But you have a lifetime in front of you. And even if you don't make exactly the perfect choice the first time, see it as I'm going to learn from this experience. And now I'm going to rethink what I need to do or want to do in terms of the next step I take. You know, we all just have to keep thinking about that next step. That's the right next step for us and going for it. Thank you so much for your time, Senator Miller. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And you've been listening to me, Wade Ierly of Degree Insurance, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. Find out more on our website, americandream.fm, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Degree Insurance. Until next time, goodbye.